Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal! listening to Metal Up Your Podcast with your host, Clint Wells. All things Metallica. All right. Episode 366. Welcome to the Metal Up Your Podcast. My name is Clint Wells. I'm your host. I talk about Metallica every week. Professional musician living in Nashville. Merry Christmas, everybody. I was going to put out this episode um, as just a Metal Tales, and then I've got a very interesting guest for the next episode, Dino Maradian, who does all the pyrography for James' guitars. That episode's already in the can, but I realized that Monday is Christmas, so I'm not going to be dropping an episode on Christmas. We'll take a week off, let everyone enjoy spending time with their families or doing whatever you do on Christmas. I know there's some people out there that do different things, um, and then we'll be back that next week. This is me talking with Tomer Altison about the Saudi Arabia gig, and it's an interesting conversation, you know? Like, we talked actually quite a bit off-air about just that part of the world and and sort of the Western view of it, and you know, there's some surprising, surprising things that I learned about him, about Saudi Arabia, and about, you know, Metallica, and the culture over there, and the music, and... um. I'm excited for you guys to hear that conversation. Now, another thing that happened that made me want to turn this into a proper episode is that uh, Torben Ulrich passed away, which I know is like strangely um, sad for all of us in the in the Metallica family because he feels like such a uh, an interesting and fun and important part of the story. And we all know the delete that scene from some kind of monster. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really an amazing scene. One of the most amazing scenes in any music documentary. Um, but also we know that like so much about who he was informed to the kind of man that Lars is and the kind of man that Lars is informs what happens in the band Metallica. And, uh, let me read a little bit. Um, uh, we, we all found out, I believe on Instagram. So I think this was something that maybe the family was dealing with for the last week or two with, uh, Torben's health. I mean, 95 years old, hell of a life. Um, here's what Lars wrote on Instagram. Torben Ulrich, 1928 to 2023, 25 years of adventures, unique experiences, curiosity, pushing boundaries, challenging the status quo, tennis, music, art, writing, and quite a bit of Danish contrarian attitude, he wrote. Thank you endlessly. I love you, Dad. The caption was accompanied by a series of photos of his father, including a black and white portrait, a magazine cover naming him the ageless guru of tennis, and photos of Lars as a child with Torben. And he posted that great Lee Jeffries portrait of Torben. Um, when speaking to Rolling Stone in 95, I wanted to read this because this, I think this is important. Lars reflected on growing up around his father's love of jazz and fellow musicians. Here's Lars talking. My dad was always around music. He was hanging out with Sonny Rollins, Don Cherry, Dexter Gordon. Dexter Gordon was my godfather. I used to play with Nina Cherry when we were little kids. Her stepfather, Don Cherry, lived six houses from where we lived in Copenhagen. Those types of people were always around. Even though tennis was his main source of income, my dad was also writing about jazz in the papers in Copenhagen. 
Miles Davis and Ornette Coleman were always playing in the stereo around the house. Later, it was The Doors and Jimi Hendrix. So, you know, not to get too armchair psychologist about all this, because that's not that interesting, but this is kind of the a conversation I would have with you if we were having a beer somewhere. You know, you think about the kind of person that Lars is, and you think about maybe the kind of person that James is. And those two things go together like very few winning combinations in the world. I mean, those guys together have have built, you know, what is the greatest metal band of all time. But think about how different they are as dudes and how those clashes were born out in the music, maybe in interviews. And you really, you got someone like James whose dad left them at a time when they really needed him the most. Uh, and then his mom passed away and then dad's gone. And you got this rugged, lone wolf, very, you know, the reports of James as a kid is extremely shy and obviously in pain and with no parents, you know, living with his older brother, his older brother's dealing with his own version of grieving their dad leaving and mom passing away. So you've got this James coming from that, right? Very sheltered, guarded, intense. And you got a guy like Lars who his dad just loved him. I mean, his dad was always around. His dad's letting him stay up late and, and playing him jazz records and buying him a drum kit and putting a tennis racket in his hands. And, you know, just even the way as an adult with Lars, with his dad, you can see in the film, even the way they sit together, how comfortable they are being physically intimate, you know, hugging and touching and leaning on each other. Those things matter in the life of a person and the mental, you know, health of a person. Um, parents who are listening to this will understand that. And a lot's been written about closeness with your parents, especially, you know, from ages one to 10. And uh, the, the wiring that happens in you psychologically, you know, that sets you forth in life. And all the things that I've really grown to love about Lars, I can see that they come from his dad. They come from this environment his dad gave him. And I don't know much about Torben. I'm going to do kind of more of a, you know, I'm going to do a bigger piece about his life. I'm going to do some research over the holidays and really do a thing about him. But I know that we were all feeling it. And, uh, you know, I think that he was a very important, warm presence in the lives of anyone who knew him. And it's sad that he's gone. Very cool that he lived such a long life. I mean, 95, dang. I think the life expectancy for men is like mid-70s. So that's a life well lived. And but it's sad to see people go. Dying is horrible. And uh I'm gonna do a longer thing about old Torb later, but I did just wanna say a little piece about it and acknowledge it and uh, send my condolences to Lars's family and and uh, anyone who's sad about the grieving of old Torb. Um the magic carpet's riding high up there in heaven somewhere, I guess. So I know we'll miss him. That's really the only thing going on in the news. Uh where are my notes? I will be choosing when we come back from the new year, a new box set winner. I will have given out six Metallica box sets since uh, June. So is this the most generous podcast in the world? I don't know. Probably. I've also been thinking about, so I got Morgan's record done. I'm, uh, there's one more day to like listen to final mixes, but it's pretty much done. I've got it right now in my phone and uh, that'll get mastered. And then we don't have tons of shows. So I'm thinking about doing another cover of World Blackened. So if you don't know what that is, it's like for the last 
you know, we've got, I think we've got five of them out. It's just like uh, reimaginings of Metallica songs, kind of acoustic driven. You know, I mean, my version of Carpe Diem Baby doesn't sound anything like the original. It's like an alt country whiskey town song, but with the lyrics, uh, piano versions of stuff. And uh, right into the show, Metal Up Your Podcast show, and let me know what songs you want to hear on a new volume. I've kind of got bells cooked up. And I've got an interesting version of Spit Out the Bone cooked up. But if you have an idea for one that we haven't touched and one you want to hear me try, let me know. Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. Speaking of our email address, I'm going to do a couple of emails before I get into this conversation with Tomer about the Saudi Arabia gig. So let's kick it now to the email portal. All right. First up, Matt Hicks. Here's the subject. DMB police. Uh-oh. Look out. Clint, as a casual DMB fan, I found a blunder in episode 365. This is my favorite thing, too. When <laughs> I work hard to put out two hours of conversation and someone finds a blunder in one sentence. Um, found a blunder in episode 365. You and Lee talked about the number of attendees in Metallica's Moscow and DMB Central Park concerts. You mentioned the Central Park concert was 2004, and it was not. It was... September 24th, 2003, I finally got one. As always, love the podcast, dude. The wife and I are planning on attending the Atlantis show in Holmdel in the summer. Stoked for Morgan Wade Camp continuing to climb to the top. Thanks, dude. Uh, I can't wait to see you on that tour. That's going to be a really fun tour. We're uh, touring with Joan Jett and Atlantis Morissette this summer. So, And I'm joking about the uh, the DMV police. It's super fun. I get it. It's a fun thing. Um, all right, next email. Alex says, Hey, Clint, greetings from Alex and Maidstone, Kent, England here. Really enjoyed the latest episode. I've always shared your passion for the load reload era. I was 15 when load came out, already a fan of many years, and I never felt threatened or alienated by the new direction. To me, I found it inspiring. I have vivid memories of wearing out the cassette version I had of both albums. They got me through the end of my time at school and many tough family times. Same for me, too. In closing, I'll defend those albums to my dying day, and the honesty and integrity of the creative direction will always mean I constantly revisit both albums. All the best. Merry Christmas, mate. Alex. Dude, I couldn't agree more. Um, I didn't. I don't have the pedigree of, like, you know, waiting in line to get puppets the day it came out. But I was a fan, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't... And by the time... Yeah, by the time Load and Reload came out, I was a dedicated fan. I came online with the Black Album, so I had a couple of years there to go back and get everything and i did and you know was obsessed with all of it and i i just to me i mean i would have been i think you're maybe one or two years older than me i would have been 13 when load came out yeah i just don't remember there being a problem whatsoever i do remember some of my friends not liking it but the mid 90s was an interesting time another thing that was happening at that time in 96 is pearl jam which was another like high tier bandless for me and all my friends you know it was like a big part of our friend group identity they were also putting out challenging records um you too was putting out really challenging records in the mid 90s they were putting out zeropa and pop and octoon baby and you know everyone loved unforgettable fire and war and joshua tree and this was different with pearl jam everyone loved tin and verses and no code and, and yield and you know those albums vitology there those are different Everyone loved Master Puppets and Injustice for All, and now we got Load and Reload. These albums are different. I don't know if that's like a hallmark of the 90s. or I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really need to sit down and think about it because uh, there's a lot to unpack about it. But I don't remember there being a problem for me. I did have some buddies that were annoyed by some of the decisions. 
I wish, you know, I should probably get them on the podcast. That would be interesting. Well, thanks for the email, Alex, and Merry Christmas to you, bud. I hope you're doing well out there. Last email before we hear from Tomer about the Saudi Arabia show. This is from Bobby Roemer. Hey, Clint, first time write in, relatively new listener. Thank you for taking the time to do the podcast every week. It kicks ass. I love getting to hear from a fellow Metallica nerd and hearing your insights experiences every week. Thanks, dude. Glad you're on the ride. I wanted to write in with a question. This time of year reminds me of the All Within My Hands Helping Hands show that the boys put on. What I love about these shows is they'll typically break out at least one new cover that's special for that show. I particularly love their versions of Borderline from Thin Lizzy from last year's show and The House of the Rising Sun from The Animals from the 2020 show. They're simply the best cover band. This leads to my question. If you could choose any one song for the boys to cover at one of these shows, which would it be and why? I would choose Don't Come Looking by Jackson Dean. I think James would kill the vocals and Kirk would put good use to the wah pedal and the lead parts. They'd take the song to a new level. Thanks for taking the time to read. Bobby New York. I want to do a whole episode on what a proposed next Garage Inc. album could look like. The interesting thing about Metallica is that a lot of their cover songs I have never heard of the other bands. I mean, obviously, Thin Lizzy, uh, Bob Seger, Leonard Skinner. We know those, right? But I'm talking about like the stuff that they actually really loved, you know? Uh, Killing Joke, and Budgie, DRI, um, you know, all those bands that they, Merciful Fate, I never really got into. They're covering like the first Iron Maiden record, you know, before Bruce Dickinson. Um, I never got super into like UFO or the Scorpions. This is all stuff I've still been meaning to like check out, but, you know, most of the music that I love is like really popular music. So I'm like, how about covering, uh, <laughs> you know a kiss song um but the all within my hand stuff tends to be like more like meditative acoustic-y driven stuff so you know i think i've, I've always thought it'd be cool to hear metallica do a uh, love song by the cure i think that would be i'd love to hear james sing that you know you could imagine kirk going do and maybe if avi's there for those gigs playing that part on a mandolin would be cool uh I'd love to produce a Metallica covers record. I'd love to choose the 10 songs and produce it. Think about them doing love song uh, with like a pedal steel. Man, that'd be sick. What else could I see them doing? Let me just camp out here for a second and see if anything comes to mind. Um, shoot, man, I don't know. I like I like when they cover, like, you know, when they did that Alice in Chains cover for the, uh, what was that, for like the Seattle Museum of Art or something? Uh, I thought that it, it needed more work, but I liked them covering Wood by Allison Chains. Be cool to hear James do Nutshell. I like that they covered, you know, when Chris Cornell passed away, they they were doing the uh, those old school Soundgarden songs. But I like to hear them do like Burden in My Hand, like, you know, a more 90s Soundgarden tune. Um, those are just things that come to mind. It's an interesting uh, concept. In fact, like if you want to write in, Melfi Podcast Show at Duma.com, what songs do you want to hear with the boys cover? I mean, I think that's fascinating. And uh, I don't know Don't Come Looking by Jackson Dean. I'll have to check that out. Um, thanks for writing in, dude. Glad you are on the ride. Welcome to the ride. We're going strong here into 2024. And that's going to do it for the email. So check out this uh, Patreon commercial. Because that's how you come on for the Metal Tales. You've got to be a patron of the show. And it's really just a, an incentive to get you to do it. It's five bucks. People want to buy me a beer all over the world. This is a way you can buy me one beer a month. It supports the show. I just got the bill for 2023 to pay for all the website hosting and stuff. And like, so this costs money and time. And, you know, if you're willing to enable, go for it. If not, no big deal. Going to keep doing it as long as I can. 
and it's going to be free for as long as I can afford to do it. So appreciate all you out there. Check out this commercial, and then we're going to hear from uh, Tomer about the Saudi Arabia show. I'll come back at the end and say something. Hey, everyone. I want to take a moment to tell you about Patreon and how you can help support Metal Up Your Podcast. Patreon is a simple, interactive way to support the people who make the content you love. Metal Up Your Podcast has always been and always will be free. There's no value that can be assigned to this community of music lovers that we've built from all corners of the world. But there are associated costs with running the podcast, in addition to the large amount of time it takes to curate and edit these episodes for all of you. For $5 a month, the equivalent of a cup of coffee or a beer, you can support Metal Up Your Podcast continuing to grow in both quality and frequency. In addition to helping keep Metal Up Your Podcast up and running, becoming a patron also means eligibility to come on the show as a guest for a future Metal Tales episode. The ability to ask guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale of Hellstorm, and even members of Metallica's inner circle your very own questions. Merch, vinyl giveaways, ticket giveaways to shows like SNM2 and Sling Castle. It's easy to sign up, easy to use. You can set a price that makes sense for your budget, and all of it goes into making Metal Up Your Podcast the best show it can possibly be. The link to Patreon is in the description of the podcast app you're using to listen to this episode. And as usual, thank you all so much for the support. I could not make this podcast without you. Peace. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Welcome to Metal Tales. I'm here with Tamer Altasan, who's going to be breaking down the Saudi Arabia show. It's 6 p.m. in Saudi Arabia right now. It's 9 a.m. here in Nashville. Uh, thank you for joining the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So Metallica plays Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is an interesting part of the world for them to play in. Are you born and raised in in that town, or where are you from in that part of the world? Yeah, so I'm um, from Saudi Arabia, born in Riyadh, but I've lived around you know, 12 years in, in the U.S. So when I was born here, uh, we went to the U.S., to Florida, you know, spent around six years there, and then came back to Saudi Arabia, and no, every couple of uh, summers we go there for vacation. After finishing high school, I went there to go to uh, the university, and I got my degree from there, from University of Tampa. Okay, very cool. What's your degree in? So, a bachelor in um, management information systems. Okay, interesting. So, someone who was born in Riyadh was it a a pretty big culture change to come live in the states, or was it pretty easy to acclimate to? No, because, you know, as soon as I was born in um, Saudi Arabia, we went there. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the States. Gotcha. Like in the early in the early 80s, I was, uh, you know, very used to, you know, everything there. The culture, the entertainment, the life. So when I came back to Saudi Arabia, I had, you know, that coming with me. And, you know, it, it, it still stayed with me until now. Yeah, I'm thinking of you going back to Saudi Arabia just with a ton of Metallica bootlegs. Uh, <laughs> in your, in your Actually, bag. Metallica is, is officially sold here since forever. Wow. I remember, yeah, I remember um, like in the mid-90s, you know, I'd, I would go to the local supermarket. There was um, a stall that sold music cassettes. 
So I bought the Black Album cassette. No, that's how we got our music back then. Yeah. So you're in a unique perspective to help us understand, you know, there's a lot has been said about music kind of like Metallica, heavy music can be sort of hard to get over there. But you're saying you could just go buy the Black Album. I mean, is it just because they were so big or is the perception of access to that kind of music not accurate in the States? Yeah, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, um, you know, about Saudi Arabia, especially, you know, to people in the States. I mean, to us, everything is, is normal, similar to the U.S., you know, with minor cultural differences. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that type of music and other type of music was easily and readily available officially and sold around the country. So we didn't have any problem, you know, uh, having access to that type of music. So what would have been the first uh, exposure to the band that you had? You're growing up in the States. You're, I mean, they were everywhere. I'm not sure how old you are, but like, what would have been the first thing that you saw? Yeah, I'm, I'm in my early 40s. Okay. And, uh, you know, like back in the mid 90s, you know, I would hang out with my friends and they would, uh, you know, play Metallica. So that's how I got into the band. And was it, I mean, for most of us, it was pretty immediate. You know, I think for me, it was just seeing, you know, the Inner Sandman video. And I was like, I love this. This is my new favorite band. And then it was just, I mean, yeah. back then when it was just the Black Album, the Black Album was mind-blowing. And then it was like, all right, well, what else do they have? And then someone hands you Master of Puppets. Another buddy hands you Ride yeah. the Lightning. And it's just, there was just no misses at that point, you know? Like, it just kept getting better and better as far as I was concerned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Black Album was my introduction to Metallica. And after that, you know, I listened to their other work. And, um, you know, still love it. You know, Load, S&M. Yeah. Um, even while, when I um, came back to America, you know, I was listening to Saint Anger. So yeah, I grew up with Metallica. Are you a metalhead? I mean, do you listen to mostly heavy music or do you listen to a lot of different kind of stuff? I listen to different genres, but I also listen to heavy metal. Um, I listen to other bands, you know, like Tool. You know, I like the nineties grunge era, you know, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, yeah, Pearl Jam. Um, I also like Opeth. You and I are about the same age, so we probably have a lot of overlap yeah. in our record collections. Yeah, definitely. Also, I've been to two Metallica concerts when I was in the States like 20 years ago. Wow. So the last time you saw them yeah. before Riyadh was 20 years ago. Yeah. So that would have been Madly in Anger with the World Tour? Yeah, around 2003, 2004. Wow. Yeah, you know, I had a similar, yeah. I had a similar thing that when I saw them, on the Hardwired tour in 2017, I had not seen them since I was in high school, which was in 2000. So I know wow. that feeling of, uh, you know, for me, it was just like life in, in the past 20 years was just busy. I travel a lot for my job. And it's before you know it, as you know, before you know it, dude, two decades can slip right on by. And uh, yeah. and you're like, holy shit, I haven't seen Metallica. I haven't seen Pearl Jam since 2003. And just somehow I just haven't been able to see a show. So was that all, you know, when they announced this Riyadh show, I mean, what was going through your head? Were you like, look, I got to go. I mean, first of all, it's Saudi Arabia gig. You obviously have intense ties there, but it's also been 20 years since you've seen the boys. You know, I remember I was laying in my bed and I opened Instagram. So the organizer of this um, 
music festival is called Middle Beast. Right. And the festival is called Soundstorm. And it's an annual festival, you know, with a lot of uh, musical acts coming from different um, areas of the world. And it's for a whole weekend. So I go to their Instagram account and I see Metallica and I was completely shocked. I mean, if, if you came to me 20 years ago and told me Metallica would be playing in Saudi Arabia, I, I would say that you're just nuts. Why would it have been so shocking? But because uh, bands just don't get to that part of the world? Yeah, because, I mean, Saudi Arabia has changed a lot Yeah, um, throughout the years. You know, it's totally different than five years ago, 10, even 20 years ago. Only Saudis will know the difference. So immediately when I saw that uh, post, I woke up, got my black boots, <laughs> undusted them, my black jeans, my black leather jacket, you know, everything oh, yeah. is ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like three, three weeks uh, until the show starts. So I was, I was really excited. Yeah, I mean, they, it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, right? And the Soundstorm Festival, the other acts are very not like Metallica, you know, Pharrell Williams, Chris Brown, Black Eyed Peas, Jay Balvin. It seems like maybe someone big dropped out, like a headliner dropped out. I don't know. Like it's, It seems like a deal that got pushed through very quickly. And so you see that news and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Were you able to get a day pass or was it a weekend thing only? Or It's a weekend, but I got just uh, one day pass. Pretty reasonable price? Uh, yeah, it was, I think, around $50 for one day. Okay. Wow, 50 bucks to see Metallica yeah. and Riyadh? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know a little bit about how hard it is for some of those bands to get over there. And so when I saw the news, I was just thinking about how many Saudis are just so stoked to finally see Metallica. Mm. So take me into leading up to, to the to the gig. I mean, did you have some buddies that you went with or did you lone wolf it or what? Yeah, um, I took my brothers with me. One of my, one of my brothers was, uh, you know, with me 20 years ago at the last concert. Mm. I've uh, been to, to Metallica. Okay. So he came with me. My younger brother came with me, um, so he's new to Metallica. We went there like around it was eight thirty p.m. and you know it's it's a very very big place. Right. As soon as I got there, I went to the uh, Metallica merch booth, and they had uh, you know some really cool cool shirts specific to this show. Okay. Yeah. So I had they had this uh, black shirt with uh, the yellow M logo. And one of the buildings in Riyadh. So it was a very unique design. I couldn't find my size large, but I got the XL and uh, I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about that is, uh, you know, back in the 90s, I don't know if you were like this, but I feel like I was always wearing shirts that were like two or three times too big for me. I don't know what it was uh -huh. about that time. But I'll, I'll see pictures of me wearing a Pearl Jam shirt from middle school. And I'm like, why was I wearing the Pearl Jam Moo Moo in middle school? <laughs> but, you know, getting that concert shirt is important just as a souvenir. You know, I'm trying yeah, to find okay. a picture of it. You said it's got a I'm seeing some green ones. It's like got the Metallica logo green. It's got no, a, these are bootlegs. Oh, copy that. Uh, I'll show it to you after this. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, I want to see the stats on the 2003-2004 uh, show you went to. Do you remember where it was? Yeah, it was uh, November 2004 on, in Tampa. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, St. Pete Times Forum. What a name. The yeah. names for stadiums and arenas over here are so ridiculous. 
<laughs> okay, so let's check this out. Open with Blackened, right into Fuel. How about that for a one-two punch? Sabbath True, No Leaf Clover, Holier Than Thou, Unforgiven, The God That Failed, Rare Treat, Saint Anger, Fade to Black, Creeping Death, Fight Fire. Man, the set list on this tour were crazy. Rome, Nothing Else Matters, Puppets, One, Sandman, and then for the second encore, Disposable Heroes and Seek and Destroy. That is a really fun set list, dude. Yeah, unfortunately, I was uh, sitting right um, in the top, so yeah. I couldn't hear anything. Even the solos, I couldn't hear them. So yeah, it was there. not, you know, an entirely good experience, but um, um, I really, really enjoyed the Riyadh show. Did you see the set list? I had, I've got it pulled up right here. Yeah. So, okay. So you get there yes. in time to go buy the merch, you secure your, your merch. And then, yeah, so it was in a, um, yeah. is it in a park, the, this gig, the Riyadh gig? Yeah. It's like in an open area. It's like a big, big open area. And there's, um. A lot of stages, but the stage right. Metallica played in was the biggest one. And then is it kind of like a general admission situation? First come, first serve, push your way up as far as you can go? Yeah, so it's, it started at 10.30 p.m. We went there uh, no, three minute, 30 minutes before just to be closer to the stage. So, yeah, like I was standing there for maybe two hours and a half. Wow. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it was a two-hour show. I've I've been there where I've debated um, just peeing my pants so I don't lose my spot. <laughs> uh, but you know what's fun about that, and you know I, I'm curious too to get your uh, perspective on what the vibe was in the crowd because, yeah, you know you get stuck in those like queues or you you line up. I know a lot. Of, I've got a lot of buddies that like to get on the rail, and usually what's pretty fun about that if you're open to it is like you meet some new people and you have some interesting conversations. W- was it? And you were there with your two brothers. I mean, were you guys like? Was there excitement in the air? Were you talking to other fans? Was there this sense of like, wow, we're about to see Metallica here in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I mean, everyone was excited there. For most of them, it was their first time yeah. seeing Metallica. Yeah. Even James, like after he finished one of the songs, he asked the crowd, uh, you know, raise your hands if you've ever seen the Metallica before. And he was surprised to find, you know, a good number of people who, who saw them. Yeah. Then he asked, raise your hands if this is your first time seeing Metallica. A lot of people raised their hands. And he was uh, saying, welcome to the Metallica family. Yeah. And you can find re- recordings of this on uh, YouTube. Yeah, I saw it. He yeah, he he put he yeah. throws a good dad joke in there where he says, uh, well, he says, how many people have seen this before? And, and you know, a little pie chart, a little sliver of people clap. And he says, where? Where did you see us? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then he says, oh, yeah, I remember I was there, too. Uh yeah, and they're aware, you know, I guess the last, you know, they were in Abu Dhabi for a couple of gigs in 2011. Maybe a lot of people in that area went to those shows. I imagine a lot of people also, though, traveled to see them, you know? It's like, well, if they're not going to come here, I'll travel to see them. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people, right, that they came from different cities in, in Saudi Arabia. And they also saw two people coming from Russia. Wow. They had their Russian flags. And they had uh, written Metallica um, Russian chapter or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and th- there were also, you know, expats and foreigners who live in Saudi Arabia who came to see them. So it was a mix, you know, um, Saudis, non-Saudis, males, females. I mean, everyone was, you know, united uh, for the love of Metallica. Yeah, I think that's great. And I've got to imagine it's good yeah. for the city, too. I mean, you got all these yeah. people pouring in and, you know, buying a bunch of stuff and staying in hotels and 
It's good for everyone. So, okay, give me a sense of your brothers. So, your one brother who went with you 20 years ago, yeah. has, has he been a fan this whole time? Is he is he as crazy about the band as people like you and I are? Uh, he, he's a casual fan. Okay. One interesting thing that happened to him there, um, like in the crowd, there was um, like one young guy in his 20s, you know, like chatting with him. And he mentioned to him that, you know, I've seen Metallica 20 years ago and said, oh, wow, I have to take a picture with you. <laughs> so that's really odd yeah yeah <laughs> you know i met a guy at the st louis m72 show in line for merch and they were it was him and his wife and they were like oh you know they were just chatting me up and i said well how many times have you seen metallica and he said not only have i never seen Met this guy was in his 50s late 50s maybe mid to late 50s he said not only have i not seen metallica i haven't been to a single concert since like monsters of rock in 80 wow. in 88 mm -hmm. wow and i wasn't quite like this guy with your brother where i was like dude let me take a picture of you that's crazy but i was like <laughs> wow how just how have you not seen a concert you know and he'd only he'd only had the one ticket you know there were these m72 shows were two nights but he'd only gotten the one ticket and he's like oh, i figured it's time to see him and just a nice just a nice missouri guy but i'm like wow so yeah you got a you got a young buck taking a picture of your brother because <laughs> he's going, he's like, like he's going. Look, an old guy, an old guy that yeah. saw the band twenty years ago. Which that's not even that long for some of us, you know. Yeah, I mean, was um, when I was in the states, you know, I, I made my mission to go to all the concerts that I can go to. Yeah. Um. So I have like my Ticketmaster envelope with me with ticket stubs. How many are in there? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe twenty at least. What's the most memorable concert you went to when you were living over here? Definitely Opeth. I love Opeth. Okay. I don't know if you've listened to them. I don't know much about them. I, I've heard a few things, but I don't know much. Yeah, because um, I like uh, their type of music, you know, mellow mixed with heavy. Yeah. And because I, you know, waited by their bus, took pictures with them, took their autographs. So it was a memorable, memorable experience for me. And were they cool when you interacted with them? Yeah, definitely. Very down to earth. You're always rolling the dice, you know, when you meeting your heroes and such. Uh, what yeah. kind of what kind of venues do they play? Like, what venue was that? It was a really small venue in Tampa. Yeah, you know, it's interesting touring in the touring world. We don't get down to, to that part of Florida very often. I think I've only, mm -hmm. I think I've only played Tampa maybe three times in my, and I've been touring uh -huh. for like over twenty years. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So an open concert, where you got to meet the band. Yeah, I've done the camped out by the bus thing. I camped out by the bus. You might find this interesting with a uh, a perfect circle because I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a Tool fan, big Maynard James Keenan fan, yeah. and I didn't have the courage to say anything to him. I just I just stood by their buses <laughs> and then I watched them just walk off their buses into the venue, and that was just enough for us. We're <laughs> like, dude, that was crazy. That was amazing. Uh, so yeah. your your younger brother who's new to the band, what's his vibe? Is he just like is he just excited? Does he like you know if the band plays? For whom the bell tolls, the band, you know, the, they opened with Creeping Death, by the way. So, okay, one of the coolest openers yeah. ever. One of the most badass Metallica songs ever. Is he even going to know what Creeping Death is? Uh, I think he knows the popular songs, you know, like Nothing Else Matters. Right. Um, you know, Sandman. Yeah. But he, but it was a memorable experience for him. He really loved, you know, the show. I, I like the part where they played Seek and Destroy and they threw the giant beach balls. Yeah. That was really fun. <laughs> So fun. Have you been following the M72 tour at all? Like, have you been checking out the set lists and kind of seeing what the vibe is? Or was the, a lot of what happened at this Riyadh show a surprise for you? 
Yeah, I checked their uh, latest uh, tour and, uh, you know, the snake pit and, you know, the types of tickets they offer. And like a month before this concert, I was planning to, you know, have a vacation and fly to Europe and see Metallica. No, I was lucky to have them come here. Yeah, so cool. All right, so so the anticipation of before the show starts, uh, ecstasy of gold moment. What's the vibe? How's everyone feeling? Uh, I mean, before? Yeah, like right before, right before they come out. I yeah. mean, what's the, 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 can you feel the the energy in the crowd? Is, it, is there an excitement in the air? Oh, yeah, definitely. Everyone was chanting and, you know, raising their you know, devil horn. You know, even during the the concert, people were singing with James. Yeah. So there were, there were a good number of people who, who knew the lyrics. And what about, so we're looking through the set list, Creeping Death into Bells into Rome. It's interesting to see an early Rome. Well, what were some of the the highlights of the show for you? Do you hone in on like Kirk's guitar playing? Do you watch Lars? I mean, everyone tends to watch James. What's what? Where? What's your headspace when you're watching a concert? I like to focus on the build ups to the solo. Mm. Yeah, so so th- that's the point where I you know take my uh, mobile phone out and start recording video. Yeah, I-, I love these parts. Yeah, you know, Kirk recently made headlines in the in the hard rock world by saying that non-musicians don't tend to care about guitar solos and uh are you are you a musician at all no but when i was in the us i kind of played guitar a little bit okay not too advanced what do you think i'm just hearing you i'm hearing you say that like one of the things that you focus in on is the guitar solos i mean what do you think about what he said about how people don't I mean, I, I disagreed with them. You know, I feel like a lot of people, whether or not they play music professionally or otherwise, still really love guitar solos, especially when you talk about solos to songs like Fade to Black or The Unforgiven. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are a lot of people with, you know, good taste in music, but they don't understand the technical part of it like the musicians. So maybe that's where the disconnection is. Right. But, you know, as a, as a listener... You do appreciate what you uh, listen to, you and you do anticipate certain, um, you know, sections of, of songs. So, so I think that that's where non-musicians focus on on different types of music. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think that a lot of people like guitar solos. I mean, I think if you yeah. like, if you're into Metallica, part of the appeal is the guitar solos. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, you, so this is pretty similar to, you know, it's like a best of, of the set list that they've been playing on the M72 tour. You get the two new songs, Lux Eterna and Too Far Gone. Where are you at on the new record? Have you, do you like the new album? Have you been paying attention to it? And w- were the songs good live? But to be honest, I um, listened to it, uh, you know, casually, like it skimmed through it, didn't focus um, really on it. I mean, I have to listen to it again and you know focus on every song because i'm you know listening to different uh, you know bands these days and i keep repeating you know music uh, i love so i didn't have a chance to really focus on on Metallica's new album you know they say at our age uh that we we listen to new music less and less and i i have found that to be true yeah i mean uh, I, I i agree um i think it's the the music itself is changing you know it's it's not um like the music we listened to in the past yeah or maybe it's our tastes are changing you know because i keep going back to the 90s era 
I, I just love the music. I agree. During that time. I think it also has a lot to do with that age that we are. And I, I think we always go back to the music that we loved when we were, you know, 11 to 15. That's just always going to be. Yeah. You mentioned like you were mentioning all my favorite bands, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, yeah. Tool, of course, Metallica's in there. And I think that's a big part of why I love the load and reload era of Metallica. You know, S&M is probably yeah. my favorite Metallica album if we're counting live albums. Yeah, me too. And I think for a lot of us that are this age, that's the case. And that's why a lot of people who are a little older than us are super fond of Justice and Puppets because that was kind of when they were that age, you know? Not to be too reductive about it, but I do think that that's a pretty common thread. Yeah, I was going to agree about that because, you know, each uh, generation, you know, will love their uh, the music of their times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably, and also the bands themselves, you know, they grow. And the, the their taste changes, their style changes. So, you know, with each change, you get new fans, you lose new fans. Yeah, and that's kind of what I like about the artists that I love. You know, there are some bands that don't change, and that's fine. I think that you can really pull that off if you're like ACDC, you know. But most bands are artists, and they evolve and change, and sometimes you like their new direction, and sometimes you don't, and... I remember with Pearl Jam, you know, when they released their self-titled album, that was like the first time ever that I was like, I don't really like the way that the band sounds right now. I, I couldn't explain mm -hmm. it. And then the record after that, I someone gave it to me or I finally heard it. I was like, oh, yeah, I like this now. And so forever, that's just like this one, two, three year period of Pearl Jam's catalog that I sort of skip over. And for some people in Metallica, that's load and reload. I know for a lot of people, mm -hmm. it's Saint Anger. What, uh, where are you at on St. Anger? I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure uh, everyone agrees on the drums. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, I, I listened to it many times. I tried to you know, accept it. Okay, some songs uh, are fine, but you know, I, I can't imagine going back and listening to it again. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather listen to you know, the old albums. Yeah. Or, um, you know, try to, you know, explore the, the new stuff. Uh, and give it its time. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll get a hankering for it occasionally, but only when I'm like really burnt out on everything else. So your experience on that tour, you saw that tour, but you said you were kind of up in the nosebleeds. Sound wasn't great. Yeah. At this show in Riyadh, was the sound good? I mean, were you? In, was it a better experience for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, everything was excellent. The sound, the visuals, the pyrotechnics. I was close to the stage. So I got a good, you know, look at everyone yeah took some pictures videos it was an amazing experience i've watched a little bit of the fan shot footage but it looks like there was not a snake pit like not an area where they no. come out so it's just a flat stage kind of a festival style stage and then yeah. they just had one big screen behind them and then they were just showing different kind of things three strong on the screens yeah and they had screens on the sides and then the top because it's a very big stage huge yeah yeah, they said that the last Soundstorm Festival, 600,000 people attended. I wonder I wonder when it's all said and done what the attendance was. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's like 25 minutes away from the, the edge of, the, of Riyadh. So, I mean, the, there's a lot of traffic jams going and coming back. Oh, my so, God, I bet. Uh, huge, huge crowd. How long did it take you to get out of there? I mean, luckily, I got out as soon as Metallica was finished because the concerts there last until 2 30 a.m and they left at 12 30 okay well, as soon as they finish 
Well, I'm just going to read the set list. So, Creeping Death, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Wherever May Roam, Memory Remains, Lux Eterna, Too Far Gone, Fade to Black, Fuel, Orion, Nothing Else Matters, Sabbath True, Unforgiven, Seek and Destroy, One, Puppet, Sandman. Definitely like a greatest hits, like their greatest 16 songs for sure. Yeah. Especially those yeah. last four. You get, well, five. I mean, I mean, really all of them. But that run from Unforgiven, Seek, One, Puppet, Sandman. I mean... You know, if they're only going to come to Saudi Arabia once every 45 years, this is a pretty killer hour and 15 minutes of music to lay on them. Yeah, definitely. I think most of the fans in Saudi Arabia are familiar with, you know, um, the Black Album. So that, I think that's why they focused on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the one that made its way all over the world. Do you think yeah. that the success of them being able to... Yeah, because like you say, it's Saudi Arabia's changed a lot. You said even in the last five years in ways that mainly mostly, yeah. mostly Saudis would understand. But do you yeah. think the door's opening more for bands like Metallica to come play? I mean, obviously there's a, there's a market for it. Obviously a bunch of people in that part of the world love great music and want to see these bands and want there to be more access. Do you think that it's going to change? Do you think Metallica's kind of helping change that? I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, they opened the door for other, you know, heavy metal and rock bands. And I really hope they come do, um, you know, special concert, you know, just for Metallica. Right, like a non-festival style, like an actual... Yeah. Where would a band like Metallica play over there? Like, what, do you guys have, like, sports arenas or soccer arenas or anything over there? Yeah, we have uh, stadiums. We have a special, like, uh, venue. It's called Riyadh Season. There's, uh, it's, it's like a huge entertainment, and it has multiple um, stages there. What about a, a, a Metallica show that op- opens the gig? That would be, like, a dream come true for you. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Opus, I don't know if they're going to come here. Still too early, maybe 40 years from now. <laughs> uh, what What's the Riyadh uh, rock scene like? I mean, what's the, are there are there bands like playing in, playing in clubs and stuff? What's the, do you check any of that stuff out? Yeah, there are uh, local, you know, metal and rock bands here. Right. And they play in uh, rock uh, venues, you know, around the city. So there is a scene here, and they have their shows. Everything is official, uh, no issues. Um, you know, I've seen them, uh, I've seen their accounts and watched their videos, but I still haven't been to any of the shows. But I would love to. I mean, I invite you to come here to Saudi Arabia. I would love to. Ch- check it out, you know. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised um, how, you know, uh, it's very different than you know uh, what you think yeah I, so please come here right and, uh, i'll show you around we'll go to one of these shows i would i would love to i i've briefly been i've been to bahrain and i've been to djibouti africa which is like Riyadh's like right in between those two things so i've, I've had some experience in that part of the world and actually had a I had a great time i mean I, I hung out in downtown bahrain with a bunch of people and uh loved the food and the music and yeah, uh, I would love to spend more time over there. But the thing here's the thing, though: we're both in our forties, so we're more <laughs> we're more likely to just stay in and have a beer. <laughs> you know, I'm like, dude, you want to come out to the show? I'm like, really? Well, how uh, how you know? There's that whole joke about how loud will it be? <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to be loud? 
uh, how many people? <laughs> how many people are going to be there? <laughs> you know, my brother said that, but I convinced him to come. <laughs> and then he probably had a great time. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing about this stage of life too. Is like I do less things because of that stuff. I'm like, well, how many people are going to be there? How loud is it? But then if you can get me out there, I I get back in touch with you know my 25 year old self, and I have a blast. You know, so. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a really cool yeah, part definitely. of the world. And I think it's so cool that Metallica played there and gave everyone a gift, you know? I mean, yeah. a lot of happy people. Especially, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the you know, I, I think Pharrell Williams is cool. Chris Brown seems like a shithead. Uh, Black Eyed Peas are fine. I mean, it's just Metallica is the only, like, taste of that level of that kind of music that people are going to get to see at this festival. Yeah, I think last year uh, Post Malone was here. Oh man, I, I I don't know how you feel about him, but I really like Post Malone a lot. I like him because he does uh, you know grunge rock covers. Yeah, he he's like, he's basically yeah. like me and you. I mean, did you see yeah. that thing he did in the pandemic where they just played a bunch of Nirvana songs? Yeah, I loved that, and and played them like really faithfully to the recordings. It, I mean, the, yeah. you could just tell that he's a huge fan. All right, well, so this show's burned down. What's next for you? I mean, what's what's your world looking like going into twenty twenty four? You know, um, I've been looking at the um, experiences Metallica has at their concerts. You know, they have this enhanced experience where, you know, we have a meet and greet yeah. and an autograph set list. I was really thinking about that. So um, I'm, I'm going to check it out, um, see, you know, which is closest to me, like in Europe. Yeah, which ones? Maybe plan it next year. Which ones do you think you would go to? I think maybe Germany. I think Germany is the, the closest to me you got to get your brother to go too and then they're going to take pictures of both you guys because because they're like look old old guys and then guys who saw the band in saudi arabia let's get a picture quick (laughs) yeah i'll have my uh riyadh show shirt on exactly yeah i want to see that shirt too well man thank you for taking the time it was really cool to hear a little sliver of what it was like to go to the show and definitely stay in touch and if you're ever in the states in the nashville area look me up and if i'm ever in that part of the world We'll uh we'll take some aspirin and drink some Red Bulls and we'll go we'll go see a local Riyadh rock show. It'll be fun. Yeah, definitely. You're welcome. You're welcome here anytime. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the show. Master, master. All right, there you have it, Tomer Addison, all the way from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. What a cool dude! And now he's my uh my buddy, new friend, new friend in Saudi. Arabia. I got somewhere to crash in Saudi Arabia. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you're traveling today, I hope you're safe. However, you celebrate this time of year. If you're not, I don't know what to say. I can't say something that covers everybody's unique perspective. So well, let's just let's just make it simple, and we're just going to say Merry Christmas as a placeholder for all the things you do and don't believe. All right, let's just not be offended. And I'm just going to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, I hope that you're around people that love you and appreciate you. I love you and appreciate you. And if it is a sad time of year, I do hope you'll reach out to somebody who can help share a laugh with. Um, it's been a cool year. You know, I'm excited to to do a, a year wrap up. We're going to have Dino on next week. I'm going to do some more talking about Torb, pay tribute to Torben's life. And I'm looking forward to what's coming in 2024. We got the Solanus tour, a new Morgan record that I produced. You know, life's good um, in big and small ways, uh, despite how tough the world is. And I'll try to hang on to that. And I hope you will too. I love you. I appreciate you. Peace. <laughs> if you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>